This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Happy New Year. I hope you all had a great holiday season. Today, you're listening to episode 216, and I'm talking with Kira Diamanto. Kira is known by some as the running realtor. She is the mother of two, and she's a full-time realtor. And she also recently ran a 234 marathon at the Berlin Marathon. I had a lot of questions in this episode of how she fits it all in because she runs a lot of miles every single week, works full-time, raises two kids, and her husband is in the U.S. Air Force as well. So Kira is also a member of the Credit Union Cherry Blossom 10-Mile Run Committee, and she is one of the coaches for Endevo Run as well. If you guys aren't already following her on Strava, you should definitely do that because she has some really funny uh titles for her Strava runs. It's like her thing. You can also find her over on Instagram, running underscore realtor VA. She says she's the queen of hobby joggers over there. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Koros. This is my favorite GPS watch that I've been wearing for over a year now. My husband Glenn and I both wear this watch. It gives extremely accurate GPS reading and The battery life is insane. It lasts so long. And even when I travel, I don't even take a charger with me. I just make sure it's charged before I leave. And it's one less thing I have to worry about when I'm on the go. It has a sleek look and you see all kinds of ultra runners wearing this watch because that battery life is so good. It also tracks your sleep. It's great for cross training and I couldn't recommend it more. You all can Get yourself an extra band. They have all kinds of fun colors at checkout when you use the code ANOTHER. So go to coros.com and use the code ANOTHER to get yourself an extra band at checkout. All right. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you are listening and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. All right, everybody. Enjoy my conversation with Kira Diamanto. Today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Kira D'Amato to the show. Welcome to all have another, Kira. Hey, thanks, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. This feels a little surreal because I've been listening to your podcast for years just as a fan. So the fact that you've asked me to come on as a guest is just is pretty surreal. Oh, that's so, so nice. I I had so many people message me after you ran your 234 in Berlin and they said, you should have you heard of this woman? She's a realtor. She works full time. She just ran a two thirty four. It was a huge PR. Um, so finally, you know, Berlin wasn't yesterday, but uh, finally, we're making this happen. Well, thank you, and yeah, I'm humbled to even hear that people know who I am. So thank you, <laughs> thank you for saying that. Well, let's let's share with the listeners in case they don't know who you are and what you're all about a little bit about yourself. So. You are the mother of two. You, she just ran a blazing fast 234 in Berlin. I mean, that is so fast. I said to my husband when I was prepping for this interview, I was like, she's the fastest hobby jogger I've ever talked to. <laughs> I love that, a hobby jogger. Yeah, yeah. Because that's kind of what you, I feel like that's kind of your thing. Like you're like, I'm, I'm a mom, I'm a realtor, and I like to run. 
I run for fun. No, I, I tell people that all the time because, you know, everyone has their own hobby, you know, and I always say that like some moms are in a book club or they bake or they work on calligraphy or, you know, any sort of wide range of hidden talents. And mine is just running. You know, I go to my Bunko club and, you know, they ask about what costume I plan on wearing to my next race. And I'm like, well, I don't really run like that. I'm usually not in costume unless <laughs> it's like trying to pretend like I'm an elite athlete, I guess. But but yeah, it is my fun hobby, which is kind of strange for me then to balance when people start recognizing me because it's like, oh, this is just what I do for fun. You know, I work really, really hard at it and I take it really seriously, but it is the fun um, hobby in my life. Yeah, so the 234 in Berlin, that was a 6-minute PR. So that was that's a really big jump when you're when you're running that fast. But let's let's go back. When did you start running? Like I in started, life. In life, I started running my freshman year in high school to impress the soccer coach at Oakton High School. So I thought that if I did cross country, then he'd think I was a hard worker, he'd see how fit I was. And actually my soccer coach at the time he would at the he was really big on physical fitness so at the end of like every soccer practice you would do laps until i lapped them so i always had this like natural gift and like i i was a kid that looked forward to doing the mile in gym class like you know other people would like play sick and i would like count down the days till we got to run the mile so i always had kind of a runner mentality but um so i joined the cross country team at oakton high school and i won the first race and i was like okay i think this is where i belong <laughs> so and then it was just kind of nonstop for there i ran um then at american university uh for matt sensuitz senior and i ran for a little bit post collegiately but i was of a mile or 5k person then so more of kind of a speed i guess you can say what's your mile pr I ran a 438 mile at um, Indoor Nationals in, I uh, can't even remember the year, but yeah, 438 is my fastest mile. Okay, how about the 5K? 5K, until recently, it was 1609 was my fastest 5K, but I recently broke that during um, an 8K that I did about a month ago. Wow. I ran through the 5K at 1555. And that's also, that's a Garmin split. So that's just what they say afterwards. Sure. So that's not accurate. But the fact that, oh, you know, I'm running faster than I was in college or even post-collegiately is just kind of mind-blowing at this point. So I, I guess unofficially 1555 is now my fastest 5K, but but it's unofficial. Does it make you want to race a 5K? Like full on 5K? Yeah, yeah, it does. But I know it's not in the cards right now for like the marathon training. So sure. I think, you know, result of the training that I've been doing for the marathon and trying to get my speed faster, you know, I can run a fast 5K, but maybe after, maybe after the trials, I'll uh, put my head down and see what I can do. Isn't that crazy? You, you run in college, you run, you race the 5K in college and now, like, 15 years later, you have two kids, you work full-time, and you ran a faster 5K in an 8K. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. I totally, like, I wake up, like, even during that race, I'm like, is that right? Like, how, because my world was running back in college and post-collegiately. Sure. That was, that was everything I was doing. And now, like you just said, it's my hobby. And it's, 
So yeah, it, it's blowing my mind. But you know, but I'm also at the same time not surprised because the work has been there, and I've been training to do that, and you know, I've been putting in the time and the miles. So I'm not surprised, but I'm very surprised at the same time. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure some of it's a maturity thing too. And do you, I mean, do you think any of it has to do with the fact that you look at running just totally differently now? One hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's I think that's everything. It's I have enjoyed the way that running in my life right now fits and I'm enjoying the process, I'm enjoying the grind. Like I look at every day and this is going to sound cliché, but a gift to get out there and just enjoy that me time. And um and there's just no pressure. Like you know, my kids don't like I come home from a race or a run and they're like, hey, did you win? And I always just say, yep, mommy won. You know, <laughs> like it, they don't know. They don't care at all. Like I'm humbled immediately once I come home. But it um, yeah, it's it's nice when there's no pressure and no expectations. And I'm really just become obsessed with like the you know, the improvement and what more can I do? And I hit a goal and I'm like, wow, if I can do that, then I can do more. So it's it's been it's been a really fun process. Okay. So let's go back to college really quick. You said you ran for Matt Centerworth senior. Can you tell us a little bit about him? I've never, uh, interviewed anybody that has, I've at least talked to about having him as a coach. He is a phenomenal coach. He's why I went to American university because he was an elite runner himself. He held the American record. He was a two-time Olympian. So I really trusted that not only did he know how to coach, but he's been there himself. So he could really kind of relate to what athletes were going through. And he is a personality. If you ever get the chance to talk to him, I would just go up and just start a conversation because he is a personality and a half. But uh, he, he's just, he's a great coach. He's, he's a tough love kind of coach um, and a straight shooter. And I really worked well with, with his personality. Um, so yeah, when I was with him, we focused more on, you know, cross country and five K's. Um, and yeah, that was, it was a fun, it was a fun four years at American university. What, if you could, I know this is kind of putting you on the spot here, but if you could say one lesson, great lesson you learned from him, what do you think it would be? Oh, you know, it's funny you say that because recently I gave a speech at his retirement party, which he jokingly said we were all talking like he was dead at it, you know, because <laughs> we were all just celebrating of all of his accomplishments. But we talked about 10 life lessons. Actually, one of my best friends, Samia, and I talked about our 10 life lessons. And man, so one thing that I learned is whenever you don't know somebody's name or you forget their name, you can call them Smiley. And, um, that kind of gets you off the hook for forgetting someone's name. That was a trick up his sleeve. Um, and he, he just, his love for, is just really contagious. Like we one time took a trip up to, from DC up to New Haven for a race and it was just him and I, and his goal, he told me at the beginning, he's like, how much do you want to bet that I can get every toll booth attendee to laugh on the way up? And I was like, yep, I'll take it. That seems like, you know, they're just kind of serious doing their job. And sure enough, every single one, he would like tell a joke or he would just say something funny or just be himself and or compliment him. And he made everyone laugh on the way up. But um, but he was also he was just put in the work kind of person. So as far as training was concerned, like put in the work, put your head down and just do the work and the results will come. So that was um, a really great, great lesson that I learned there also. Okay, so tell us about your first marathon in 2013. 
Um, I'm only giggling a little bit because you told me that you ran a 349, which is a phenomenal first marathon time. But the fact that you've now run a 234, it's just wild. So I've come, I've come a long, long way. So the first one I ever did, my husband and I signed up in um, Missoula, Montana, and it was an awesome race. So the story that I'm about to tell about my dislike for the marathon had nothing to do with the quality (laughs) of this race because it was so fun. And it was in Montana. It was really beautiful. Like we had the trip of our lives, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't prepared. I think it was a little bit at altitude and I wasn't really doing the long runs. And I kind of went in thinking, oh, I can run like a 320, no problem. But the training wasn't there. I was coming off of kind of a inflated ego from like my previous running experience that I thought it would be easy. And I got to like, I think between 16 and 18 miles, I just remember thinking like, I'm done. Okay, this <laughs> this is good. And then I just walked, <laughs> just walked the rest. So I was with like the 320 pace group and they went by me and then the 330 group went by me and then the 340 group went by me. And I was stopping at like the water stops and just drinking water. And there was like a gummy bear stop that I was just stopping and eating. And, uh, and just the last like six miles walking that I just can't tell you how many thoughts I had that the marathon is not for me. Like I'm never doing this again. Why did I sign up? I'm going to finish this because I started it and I'm not a quitter, but I will quit trying to do a marathon (laughs) after this because this is not for me. But then I saw the finish line just as like the 350 group was blazing by me. And I just thought like, oh, hell no. Like I just... (laughs) Ran through the finish line. So I ended up running through the finish line and just past like the 350 pace group. So I ran 349.49. And I was so proud that I finished. Like that was marathons are tough. And especially mm-hmm. when you're not, you don't know what to expect or how to prepare or. I don't know. There's a lot I didn't know about the marathon. There's still a lot I don't know about the marathon, but that was a really, really rude awakening that (laughs) is a race that you really need to respect. So that was tough. And I told myself after that race that I was, you know, I'm a miler. I'm a 5k person. This is not for me. I'm never, ever, ever doing one of these again. Yeah. You can't fake it. No, no, there's no faking. I learned that walking the last six miles. What did your husband run it in? He ran, oh man, he kicked my butt that I don't, I think he was <laughs> oh, or maybe he's just, fast. he qualified for, like our goal that day was for both of us to qualify for Boston. Okay. So he qualified. And so I think it was like 302 that day, although he has run faster marathons, but, um, and then, yeah, I did not qualify for Boston that day, but I proudly went to Boston and cheered him on while he ran it the next year. And I was so happy to be on the sideline cheering and not in the race with how that first one went. Did you, is, was he a runner in college too? How did you guys meet? Yeah, we actually met. This is really funny. I think I'll give you the long version on a long run because it's actually a pretty long, funny story. But okay. we met at a running camp in high school. Okay. And um, and then we went to prom together that year. But we were always just for the next decade, we were just really good friends. And then finally, he was like, "Hey, maybe we should date." And I was like, "Why? Why would like I date my best friend? That's kind of weird." He's like, "Just hear me out because if it works out." we'll be us be best friends forever. Oh, and I was like, okay, all right. So like, and actually we were going to a wedding the next day of one of my best friends. 
and I introduced him like, oh, this is my boyfriend. And they're like, oh, you're so funny. That's just Anthony. He's your friend. I'm like, no, we're dating now. And everyone's like, wait, what? And then um, six weeks later, we got married in Vegas <gasps> with Elf. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. But like we knew by that point, we like we had been such close friends for 10 plus we think about each other. We knew what we wanted out of life. We knew each other's families. I would go to his family reunions. I was there when he got back from deployment. So like we had been such a, you know, big part of each other's life. We just had never dated. So yeah. once we saw that hey, we're dating, this is really cool to, to have your best friend forever, I guess. So, wow. Um, yes, yeah, so that's, yeah, he did run. He ran in high school and then he ran for the Air Force Academy in college. Um, and then he ran a little bit afterwards too. And he still, he still runs. What's his marathon PR now? So right now it stands, it's our family PR. He ran a marathon right out of college, ran 231. <gasps> so that's actually You're like after that, I am. So that's actually, if all went well in Berlin, that's what I was hoping to do. But I think I ran a little too conservative and didn't really put myself out there enough, but that is my goal now is to have the family PR in the marathon 231. Wow. Will he go after <laughs> it if you get it? I don't think so. Like now that I've been running more competitively, he has decided that he'd rather be like lifting like mm. and just be like the big guy now. So <laughs> he's become like real strong and I've become real fast when we make a good team, I guess. But um, he's like, yeah, you can do that. You, you can put all the time. I'll let you have that. And I'll just, yeah, I'll go over here and be up in the gym, um, you know, so he can he moves stuff really well. If anyone moves and needs a helper to move, he's really strong and can help people move. <laughs> he can brag about his wife then. I mean, you know, you're Sarah Hall and he's Ryan Hall now. I and mean, that's kind of what yeah. they do. She's still running and he's lifting weights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah, very, very similar to that. That's really funny. Does Can he keep up? Like if, if you were to like, can I need to do like a, you know, mile repeat workout or something, he couldn't even touch it could he no probably not no, but not like now. on like recovery days we'll run together, run together. Which really, yeah which is really fun we'll get a babysitter and go on our like little running dates like around you know just run around town so yeah oh, he, I love that. he's like he's he's a workhorse too so he can get out there there was a one run recently where he's like okay I could do max five miles and I take him to this park that I thought I knew really well but then I got us very very lost and it ended up being 15 miles <gasps> and <laughs> <laughs> and he did it. I mean, he ran the whole 15. I mean, he was a little pissed at me at the end. And, you know, at the end, he decided not to trust my sense of direction and, and kind of took charge and got us back to our car. But uh, but yeah, he, he's a tough he's a tough cookie. He's 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 awesome. So tell us about um, his deployment and when you guys decided to have kids and what was going on in your life at that point. Yeah, so we, um, he was active duty Air Force for just over 10 years. And then after we had our second child, we decided um, that we just wanted kind of the lifestyle that both of us grew up with, I would say traditional, but really, there's, there's no traditional lifestyle. But so we wanted to move back home, be close to family, just stay in one place and not have to worry about deployment. So um, he got out of active duty, but still felt a really strong um, urge to still serve. I mean, it's been part of him. Mean, he went to the Air Force Academy and was involved with the military for so long. It's just, it's just in his blood. So he joined the Air National Guard and, um, and we, we found that it was a little bit more than what we were thinking. Um, so 
my daughter, after she was born, he had um, some training classes he had to go to, and then he had a mobilization. So really in the first two years of her life, he was gone, I think, close to a year of that, which was really tough tough on everyone, um, I'm sure, especially for him, not being with his family. But for me, just with two really young kids, like I really struggled during that time. And I have a great support system. I have a lot of family that really helps. And I a lot of people really reached out to, to help me. But I just, you know, when you're like husband and best friend is gone, it's just, it was just, it was really tough for me. But so that's when I started running more. And, you know, I, this such the special thing about running to me is that your why for running can always change and always evolve depending on what you're going through in your life. And I got back into running after kids initially just to lose weight. And then when he was gone so much, it was more of just something that I could own and something that I can control. And, you know, I put the kids down, they were young, I put them to bed at 630. I'm like, okay, well, what do I do now? I'm like, well, I'll just hop on the treadmill and get a run in or it, it was just something that when my life felt a little empty with him gone that I filled with, with running, I guess. So we always, you know, joke about it now that part of the reason I've become so fast is because, you know, because he was gone, which it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, we joke about it's kind of that that's what I kind of filled my life with when, um, when he was away. Yeah. So when in that, cause your kids are, are they four and two? I have a, my son just turned five last month and my daughter just turned three. Okay. I mean, they're still really young. So yeah. at what point, <laughs> yeah, your, your two are the same exact ages as my middle two. Um, yes. Yeah. Cause I'm, my number two is about to turn five and my three, my three just turned three. So, and Lindsay, you're a superhero that you have two more on either side of that. <laughs> that's, that's your middle two. So you are seriously Wonder Woman. I power to you, man. Well, I'm definitely not training for a 234 marathon. <laughs> but I'm just in my brain, I'm thinking this through because I'm like, man, I, I still I feel like regardless of the seven year old and the one year old, like those two, like that still feels like rel really relatively new in my life. You know, it's like they're still really young. So at what point did you run that second marathon or had you done that before you had your first? No, it was, um, my second marathon came after I had my second. So I took like mm. four plus years off wow. of seriously thinking I was never, ever going to run a marathon again. And it was kind of a joke for Christmas. I gave my husband and like I bought him an entry to a marathon because he was running like a lot more than so it's kind of a joke. You know, when you give someone a marathon, it's kind of like, <laughs> here's a nice gift, but also like <laughs> sucks for you because now you have to now train for this, it. you know. But um, so I gave it to him, but then I got one for myself too, thinking that would just be a nice thing to have on the calendar and it would be a good goal for me to lose weight and have just something to train for trying to get back to, you know, post, post, you know, pregnancy body. So, so I did the, the first one after Quinn was the shamrock. So that was, she was born in August and that was in March of the next year. Okay. And my goal for that was first goal was just to run faster than 349. <laughs> <laughs> my second goal is if, you know, I'd give it another shot. And if I can hit the Boston time, great it, for at the time it was 335 
And then um, kind of my like pie in the sky goal was oh, there's a 325 pace group. Maybe I'll, you know, see if I can catch up to them if I'm feeling good. And I started out and I just couldn't run slow enough to stay with that 325 group. So I just, so I ended up just being like, oh, well, I'll just run whatever I feel like running. And I ran 314 that day. And I was just like, holy moly, like this wasn't supposed to happen. Like this, was, I mean, that was like a half an hour PR. Yeah. So then I was, then I was like, well, maybe I should like really train because at the time, you know, I was just kind of doing mileage for fun. And I was like, well, maybe if I added some workouts or a little more mileage or a little more regiment to it, I can improve upon this and maybe break three hours. So I trained and did the Richmond marathon in 2017. And my goal that day was just to break three hours. And again, similar to how it went at Virginia Beach, I found myself in the race just not able to run that pace. I was just feeling so good. I was running faster. And actually, this is a funny story, which I'm sure my husband isn't going to like that I'm going to tell this, but I went out <laughs> I went out so fast. And when I went by him and my mother-in-law, he was like, oh no, Kira's out like way too fast. You know, we, we said we should be conservative and way too fast. Like she's probably going to drop out. And my mother-in-law is like, not Kira. Kira doesn't drop out. I'll bet you a hundred dollars that she finishes this race. And he took the bet. <laughs> So he bet my mother-in-law $100 I was going to drop out. But anyways, I ended up even negative splitting. So I went out in like 126, and then I think my second half was 120-something, which at the time was a half PR wow. for me. So I ran 247. and That was like, your third marathon? That was my third marathon. Yeah, and I was just trying to break three hours. So I finished, and then I was like, wow, I'm two minutes off the Olympic mm. qualifying time. And I just – and I was trying to break three hours. So that's when I was like, okay, this maybe if I, you know, solicit some outside help and start getting a little bit more structured training, maybe if I, you know, you know, do it a little bit more regimented, I can even improve upon that. But I did like afterwards, they told me about the bet. And so I was kind of ragging on my husband about that. <laughs> and he was like, listen, Kira, it was win-win. So either you finish the race and everyone's really happy with your time or you don't and we're $100 richer. Don't you see that? <laughs> I was like playing the odds. I'm like, okay, that's actually a pretty clever way. I guess I can't really argue with that logic. But um, yeah, so and so funny. after that, then I started my coach. Yeah, my coach that's um, coached me post-collegiately, Scott Roscoe. Um, I asked him to kind of help me become a little bit more structured because I really, I, I, you know, I was just running however much I felt. You know, every day I'd get up and see how much I felt like running until then, like, oh, I think I should probably do a workout today. But so he's helped me become a little more structured and goal oriented and just a lot more intentional with my training. Um, so after that, then, and, you know, then I just did a couple more marathons, ended up qualifying for the Olympic trials, which was really exciting. And then, um, yeah, recently with Berlin. So when you were in the 247, were you like, all right, I pretty much have to try to qualify for the trials? Yeah, I'm like two minutes yeah, away. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Gotta go for it. Like, why not? Why would I, you know, so the I, only one. Yeah. So I feel like you're in this weird camp, like 234. It's like so fast, but it's not like, you know, 225, you know, because we right. have this sea of women. I mean, how many people just qualified for the trials at CIM? A lot. Yeah. But you're like at a totally different level than that, you know? And you're so close to like tasting that sub three thir or two thirty. So, yeah. 
how do you, where do you classify yourself, you know? So, and that's really, that's, I am going to talk myself in circles through this answer because I have no idea where, (laughs) like, if someone asked me, like, oh, are you an elite runner? No, I'm not, like, sub-elite maybe, but I also, I have this really, like, warped sense of self-confidence, I think, Mm -hmm. which is probably why I've been able to do accomplish some of the things that I have that, I mean, even since I was in high school, like I'd get beat and I'd think, okay, yeah, she beat me today. She ran awesome, but you know, she's not a better runner than Mm -hmm. me. I know with a little bit more work or if I do this or, you know, next time, like I don't see her as always being better than me, I guess. So I feel like where I'm going, Berlin was a huge step forward for me, but I still see a lot of progress and there's a lot more room that I can grow and a lot more things that I can accomplish. And like already in my head, and this is going to sound crazy and I shouldn't be saying like goals like this out loud, but well, put it I, out I there. I, I think I'm a sub two thirty marathoner with some of the work that I've been doing. And, you know, and I think Berlin went really well and it gave me a lot of confidence that I can run faster, but I also don't think I quite had like a, uh, a really breakthrough race that day. And I think I'm still kind of waiting for a breakthrough marathon race. And I know that sounds crazy because I'm saying I PR'd by six minutes. Yeah. That sounds like a breakthrough, but, um, and I'm sure I'm going to listen back to this and just think I sound like an idiot saying that. No. And people are probably shaking their heads that I'm saying that, but it, I, I just feel like I still have a lot of room to grow and, you know, and I don't know what that's going to mean at the trials. And I, I try not to think of that too. I kind of just look at it. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to improve as much as I can. And I'm going to get myself as fit as possible come February. And let's see where I end up. That's kind of, I guess, my mentality. So I don't really have an answer to your question. I have no idea where I line up. But I also know, like, I really believe in myself. And I think with time and with the right training and the consistency, um, I don't think it's too far-fetched for me to not be on that level, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think it sounds crazy listening to you because here's the deal. Like, you know, your body. So Mm -hmm. when you ran the 234, you are the one that walks away saying like, oh, like maybe I was too conservative. Like, and you know, I I just feel like there's some like intuitiveness to that, right? Like you can feel what you're capable of. And that's really cool. Um, And I think I needed that for the confidence, you know, like when you're bringing down your pace by that, you know, like, you're thinking to PR by 10 minutes in one race. It's it's almost hard to wrap your brain mm-hmm. around it, even though your body's there. So in, I felt so timid and a little insecure. Like I know my training has been there and these workouts would suggest I'm ready for that. But just mentally thinking that's a whole lot faster than I've ever run. It's kind of hard to really, really put yourself out there. So that's something that I'm working on now is just you know, not being afraid almost of the failure and putting yourself out there and kind of trust a little bit more in like the training and where I'm at rather than um, kind of where I've been, I guess. Hey, everybody, I'm going to jump in and take a quick break and thank a sponsor of this episode. And that is the New York Roadrunners. They are testing a new training program right now that offers virtual community driven coaching that brings together runners to train as a group for the same or similar races with the help of two experienced coaches. The New York Roadrunners Coaching Lab is in beta, so if you join, you will have the unique opportunity to help shape the future of the program for other runners with your feedback. The Coaching Lab 
currently offers spring training teams for both half and full marathons. And when you sign up, you'll get a customized team training plan and coaches and teammates to answer your questions and share advice. The spots are limited, so sign up today at nyrrcoachinglab.org and use the code LINDSAY10 for $10 off any program. I am a big believer in seeking out the advice and the community of a coach and a team. And I don't think there's one size fits all program for everybody. So I love the idea of providing you all with options and ideas. And I think that what the New York Roadrunners have going on is a really cool program. And if you're looking for that type of training, you should definitely check it out. So again, go to nyrrcoachinglab.org and use the code Lindsay10 for $10 off any program. All right. If you're looking for additional episodes of the podcast, you can find that over on my Patreon page, which is a really great way to support the show. You can go to patreon.com slash lindsayhine to support the show and get access to bonus episodes over there. Thank you so much, everybody who is already doing so. All right, friends, let's enjoy the rest of my conversation with Kira Diamanto. I don't remember who it was that I interviewed, but I interviewed somebody that some pro runner. I don't know if it was a track person, but they were talking about that. Like when you know what? I feel like it was Shelby Houlihan. Maybe I don't know. But they were talking about that. Like when they get to the start line, it's like I'm here to race today. And like, it it doesn't matter if someone's beat me every single race. Like that doesn't mean that like today is not going to be the day that I'm going to win. And I think that's just huge for confidence and how you execute. I can completely relate to that. But for her saying that, you can like respect that. And when you look at me saying that it's almost laughable, but, um, but I I feel that. And I feel like you need that confidence to be able to accomplish some of these things too. So when you go into the trials, you're going to be like ahead of the masses. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. how many women have qualified? Like 400, something crazy. I think we're we're closer to 500 now after CIM. After CIM. So like 500 Mm -hmm. women, but so many of those women are in that like 242 to 245 range. Mm -hmm. So do you have a like strategy for where you think you'll kind of line up and who you might hang with or pack wise? I, I am not sure. I think Atlanta being such a hilly course is going to be interesting. It just for strategy. I think that my focus is going to be completely internal and getting to be in the best shape I can and figuring out what pace I think that is for me and then just doing that. And obviously I'll have to react to who's around me. But if I think by then I'm in shape to run like a sub 230 on a hilly course and, you know, maybe my best strategy is just going to just focus on myself and figure out where that lands me later. Um, But but we'll see, you know, I'll have to see how the next couple months of training goes. And then obviously the race itself, how that goes is going to affect a lot of things too. But um, I don't know. I, I feel like I have nothing to lose. Like the, no one expects me <laughs> to be up there. No one expects me to be top 10, top 20, top 50. So, you know, I just feel like I can run however I want and, uh, and just see what happens, but it's kind of a nice feeling, feeling to have. Yeah. I feel like this is kind of a common thing, uh, 
in the forefront, at least in conversations I've had lately is like the nothing to lose mentality. And like also losing that fear of failure, just kind of like taking a chance and taking a risk without being stupid. So like, what's the balance, you know? I, you know, I do not know if I figure it out, I'll let you know, <laughs> but I think that's, that's the million dollar question there is how to, how to balance that. And I don't know. I like, I feel like I'm a continuous work in progress and just mentally and physically and just everything in this marathon realm, I'm learning a lot about myself and about the training every day. So I have no idea how to answer that question right now. I'm hoping <laughs> by February 29th, I'll have a better idea, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I just like in the marathon so many times and even in my own experiences, it's like I get to mile like, I don't know, say 10 and I'm thinking, are you in over your head or are you just being scared that you're in over your head and you can really hold it together for another 16 miles? You just need to be tough. Yeah, I can completely relate. And I feel like the marathons that I've done up to this point, I've been in the scared part because... I've run a marathon where <laughs> I've had to walk the last six miles. And I also, like, I ran Boston in 2018, you know, the year that was. And mm-hmm. um, I got hypothermia during that race. And I finished. I was really proud to finish. But um, but that, having my body fail on me mm-hmm. that race mm-hmm. – really messed with me a little bit mentally afterwards because even though I tell myself, well, that was the weather, that was the conditions, like I have pushed myself, my body to a point where it did fail and it wasn't really responsive. Like I don't even remember finishing the race. Wow. Um, Like a volunteer had to say, you can stop running now. And I looked around and I was at the finish line and that's when I knew like something, they're like, do you need help? And I like tried to say yes and I couldn't. So I'm just like, yeah. So I, you know, I got, you know, I was, I was fine, but but when I broke my body in that race, and so I think that's made me a little bit more timid with racing because I have felt my body fail on me. But I've never in a you know a traditional race or a more common setting, I've never pushed my body to that. So I just need to have the confidence that um, <laughs> that's, that's hopefully won't happen again. But what did you? Not that times mattered. Obviously, in Boston 2018, everybody knows what kind of race that was. But what did you run it in? I ran 256. And I ran with... I ran with the elite women. And I think I was the 18th woman out of, like, the the first wave of women. I did not finish 18th overall after, like, the masses came through. I finished a lot lower than that. But but it, it gave... In a weird way, it did give me confidence because I was only minutes behind, like, Molly Huddle and Shalane Flanagan. So that was... That was cool for my confidence, but, um, (laughs) as far as the whole needing to go to a medical tent, that was not so great for my confidence. That race. Oh my goodness. Well, that's anybody that finished that race that day. That's, that's a huge accomplishment. Um, Mm -hmm. just actually being out there at all (laughs) is an accomplishment. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, okay. So talk to us about your training for the trials. What, how is it different from training you've done in the past? And, um, you know, what kind of mileage are you going to be peaking out at? Yeah, I, um, I've been really fortunate that I can do pretty high mileage and stay healthy. So I, um, I'll probably peak out, uh, between one fifteen and one twenty ish. Um, 
But I usually run about 100 miles a week, and then every month I have a regeneration week built in. So I, once a month, my mileage will dip further down. I get a day off, and kind of I make sure I'm doing all the physio and uh, recovery stuff that week and making myself ready for the next like three-week build cycle. But um, I'm average about um, just over 100 miles a week. I think this week I'll probably be between 110 and 115. So, um, yeah, so I do a lot of mileage. I run, I run a lot, wow. a lot of time podcasts and audiobooks and <laughs> <laughs> music. Yeah. I have a lot of, a lot of that time. This is how you know about my show. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> so, okay. Then you're also a full-time realtor. So I guess the question everybody probably wants to know is how do you fit it all in? I, I've, slowly the running has become like a bigger piece. And so it's nice when I was starting slow that I was taking every other day off or every three days off or once a week. So I've slowly built it into my schedule. I didn't just say, okay, now I'm going to start running a hundred miles a week and make it work. So I think the slow build has really helped. Um, but I also like my motto is just find a way. So mm -hmm. when I first was talking to my coach and I was telling, you know, I usually take a day off and, you know, if it gets too busy with Anthony being gone or with real estate, you know, sometimes I just, I just won't run that day. And he kind of was like, Kira, like you just find a time. And he's mm. like, what? No. Like, just find a time. Like if that means you're up at 4am and on your treadmill, that's what it means. Like if you have to, you know, push the kids on the stroller or hire a babysitter. Like you just need to like make it a priority and find the time. So, um, I am, I feel like I'm very good at time management. So that's really helped me with a busy schedule And real estate is, is a nice career that the schedule is mostly flexible until it's not at all until there's deadlines and, uh, and things that you can't miss. And then everything revolves around that schedule. But I've been lucky that for the most part, it is decently flexible. But I also, I, I mean, I run with like my little flip belt and I keep my phone on every run. And I, I say more times than not on a run, I'm doing a real estate call, like in the middle of the run. Do you? And, yeah. Like yesterday it was pouring rain and I'm in the middle of negotiating this contract that we didn't know when we would kind of hear back. So I went for a run and it's pouring and I'm on the phone and I'm sure they're thinking like, is she like out in the rain talking to us right now? This is a little bit weird. But um, I don't know. I just, you make it work. I, you know, like I also, I think for me, kind of my like secret sauce is I have the best support system in the world. And I always say it takes a village, but I have here in Richmond, um, my husband's family, they all live here. And pretty much every Saturday and Sunday, his mom and or dad will come over and watch the kids either so we can run together or if he's out at a guard weekend or something. And so they really, really help. So I rely on people a lot and I ask for help a lot, which is hard for me to do as like a type A personality, but it, it's seriously for me to be doing all of these pieces and doing them well. Like I just, I need a lot of support and a lot of help. So I've become better about asking for it. You know what? I am, I feel like I'm in a phase of my life where I have to ask for help a, a good amount. Like simple things like having a neighbor bring my second home from school three days a week. Like that just gives me so much fle more flexibility and like letting the other kids nap and things like that. And I've just kind of realized that like it's okay like they don't care that they're bringing my right. son home. They're picking their daughter up anyway. Right. And right. in five years when my schedule shifts and I don't have napping little people, I'm going to be able to pay that forward and do the same thing. So 
Exactly. I think there's so many times people are just scared to ask for help. And as long so as you're not hard. being like yeah. moochy and like overly annoying, then people are going to be really responsive and say, oh, sure. Yeah. You know, um, so this is Kira's and I nudge to you that like if you need help with something like your neighbor probably would totally be willing to help, you know? Yeah, no. And that it has, I can completely relate that it's, it's hard to ask for it, but, but I also find like with running, it's been a really fun journey for my family to be on with me. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, and this is maybe what I say to make myself feel less guilty, but you know, <laughs> I think they enjoy, you know, coming over to watch my kids or my father-in-law will come out and time me during workouts on the track or, you know, so many people have helped in so many different ways. Like when we were in Berlin, my dad flew in from Bellingham, Washington to stay here with my kids. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so many people have contributed to my running journey that I feel like it's kind of a collective win for everyone that everyone has played a little part in, you know, seeing me achieve this dream. That's so cool. Yeah. I love, and I love hearing people. I love it when, you know, the pros after a race, they always give acknowledgement to their coach and their families. And, um, that's, that's so true. So, and I also love the find a way mentality because, man, we can make excuses. And look, you don't have to run 100 miles a week if you don't want to, but you want to. Right, right, right. Do you get up at really early? And I I mean, because I'm picturing the amount of sleep that you get and, you know, to fit all this in, I'm sure you're running lots of doubles. So do you, you know, run at 5 a.m.? Yeah, well, usually, uh, so my kids are like early risers, so Mm -hmm. they're usually up at 5 a.m. every day, but um, my husband and I, like my husband is, you know, he really likes to work out and do things too, so most of the, I say majority mornings, he kind of takes the early shift for working out, um, unless it's like a workout day or something, then then he'll rearrange his schedule and maybe work out at lunch or afterwards um, so I can get to the track earlier. But um, yeah, I try to do like, I'll get the kids off to to school and I'll do my first run and then I'll get all my work done during the day and then do my second run right before I pick them up. Um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, I mean, there are, when he's gone though, there's mornings that to get up on the treadmill before my kids get up, it's like you're up at 3.30 or 4 in yeah. the morning to get that in. Um, do you so have a good just, treadmill? Yeah, I do. I have a really good treadmill. So that's, that's good. Although I hate treadmill running, Mm -hmm. but I do, I try it. And when I know I have the treadmill run, I'll save up all like my trashy shows that I feel guilty watching and I'll watch them on the treadmill. So at least it's, you know, kind of a, you know, makes it a little, the time a little bit better, but what kind of treadmill do you have? I have a pro form. Um, uh, I think it's called a pro form. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, the, the other thing is, being a realtor, you have pretty unconventional hours because you're probably like having to get things over to clients like at 9 p.m. sometimes. So it's not like yep. you're working like eight to five every day. Yep. And it's a lot of a lot of nights and weekends because usually I'm working and I'm available from, you know, according to my client's schedule. And most people work typical nine to five. Uh-huh. So I kind of have to go around their schedule, which is great for running. Sure. <laughs> usually you're not running, you know, at night, but it's not very good for family time. So that's another thing where I kind of lean on my family a lot to kind of support to support that as well. Yeah. So how long do you envision this like this lifestyle being, I don't know if sustainable is the right word because it's like, obviously you're thriving in it and this is what you want to do right now. But just like, how long will this last do you think, or do you want it to? 
Well, sustainable is a really good word okay. because for me to run, it puts a lot of stress on the whole family. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, on my kids, on my husband, in my extended family that just help out. So it is, it is a big ask and it is like a selfish pursuit. So, um, I plan on doing it as long as my family can sustain it. And as long as it's fun for me and I'm seeing progress and the results, I guess, from it. Uh, but, but I don't know what that time is. Like mm -hmm. I have a lot of, I guess, long-term goals that I'd like to see myself running for, for years to come to achieve. But, um, also it's, so my rank of priorities, I have my family and then I have my career and running's number three. So if something needs to be cut out, unfortunately, that would be running, which would be hard because I'm very passionate about it. But that's if, you know, there's something that's not fitting, that is going to be the piece that, that gets removed. But, um, you know, I, everyone's on board and everyone's real supportive. So I'm hoping that I could become, you know, run run like this for years to come so I can, you know, go after some of these goals that I have, but we'll see. I don't really have an answer because if it, you know, stops being fun or if it's too much of a burden on the family, then, you know, I'll have to readjust. Yeah. So you mentioned that you see yourself as being able to break 230, which I mean, I think anybody listening here and hearing about your progression would like be right. Say, yeah, of course. Yeah. We're all behind you. We think you can do that too. But you also ran a 15K on Sunday and broke your 10K PR in the 15K. <laughs> so, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So obviously you're going to run in the Olympic trials for the marathon. Do you have any, I mean, do you have any like desire to be like, well, I might as well do the 10K track trials. If, if you would ask me this question two weeks ago, I would have probably just said, no, nah, I don't know if I'm going to go into the track, but kind of two weeks ago, I had like a, a just, I was running like through the woods and I was thinking, gosh, I know I'm so close to qualifying for the trials for the 10 K. Like, why would I not like, and I was thinking like, well, the track, that's a lot of laps and that's different. I'd have to get spikes, you know, that's just a whole different so funny, animal, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, but I'm so close. Like I, I feel like that's within reach. Why would I not put myself out there and at least go for it and see if I can hit that time and be there on, you know, the trials 10K starting line. So, you know, I'm not, a, I mean, who knows if I'll get there or not, but I'm not embarrassed to say I'm going to go after it. So after the the marathon trials, we'll see. Um, and this weekend I did a 15K and I went through my 10K. Again, this is like Garmin split, so not accurate. Sure. But I went through under 33 minutes, which, so it was like 32 50 something, I think. And that's a big PR for me in the 10 K and that's not too far off the qualifying time. So I'm thinking if after the marathon, if I do some more 10 K based training and kind of work on my speed a little bit more, that that's a pretty realistic goal, you know, come, come June and July. Yeah. So what are some of the other big goals? You said, you know, while this is the progress is happening and you're enjoying it, um, you want to, I'm, I'm going to just say it. You want to break 230. Um, what else sounds some like what else drives you? Um, I like to take down the family goals. I think that's like the biggest thing. So taking my husband, he ran a 231. So that's like number one. And he also ran a half marathon of 111. So Ooh. I feel like both of those are big targets of mine. What's your <laughs> half become, goal? What's your half PR? I ran a 113 this fall in Philly. Okay. Um, and I feel like I ran well, but it was a really hot, humid day. So I feel like there's still a lot 
more room to grow. And after doing the 15K this weekend, my average pace was 520 for that. Okay. And I, I feel like <laughs> maybe I can even hang on and do pretty close to that for a half marathon. Wow. So that would that would put me knocking on the door of 111. So um, yeah, so I'm actually, I'm running the Houston marathon in January. So we'll see if I can break his family record there, but, but we'll see. But I also, a big goal of mine in the future is to make some sort of U.S. team. And I don't, you know, I don't know how realistic a 2020 Olympic team is, but possibly down the line representing the U.S. in, you know, in the Pan Am games or a world championship or just some sort of, you know, other way that I could be wearing a USA jersey. That's, that's a really big goal of mine. Are you still working with the same coach? Yes. Mm -hmm. What are some of the like, I guess, not so classic workouts he has you do? I mean, just what are some fun, different things that you might do that we might not expect to see you doing? So it's funny you ask this because I think with, I've been an interesting, um, bird for him to coach <laughs> to say the least, because I think he sees that I've been, you know, I've, I'm a little bit resistant to doing too much because I'm so protective of making, making sure that this is a fun thing for me. Mm-hmm. So I think he's like really tried to make this really fun for me. So when I'm not in specific marathon training and I'm kind of just like building the base, he'll, um, like, he'll be like, okay, <laughs> It's going to sound really silly, but he'll tell me to like write like one, two, three or one and a half, two and a half or just all these things on different like little cards and put them in my pocket and pull it out of my pocket. And that's the distance that really? I'll do at intervals. So I'll do like a three minute surge and then, you know, and then I'll put it in another pocket and I'll go through all the numbers in my pocket. But so he'll give me like fun little workouts like that. Sometimes it like, and I know this sounds like he's coaching a kindergartner, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it keeps it really fun for me. It keeps it special and new. Um, and then he also knows I love to race. So if do I could you? work out and go do a race instead, um, that is what I'd want to do. So like this weekend being able to do a 15 K, you know, we incorporated that into like our training and everything, but put me on a starting line and just let me go after it because I love, like, if I go do a tempo run by myself, like in the woods, like setting up my own little water stations that like, I'll do it if I have to, but I'd much rather be running down the road with people on the side being like, you know, cheering for me, handing me water. So I love the race environment. So he also really, um, is, he, he lets me race probably more than, um, he thinks I should sometimes, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's how we keep it fun. But he is, Scott Roscoe is a phenomenal coach. He, he's amazing and he's done such a great job personalizing my schedule or my training plan with everything going on in my life. And I think I've been so appreciative to him that he really respects like all the different priorities in my life. And, um, you know, he, makes my schedule flexible enough to, to mold around everything else. So he, he's, he's a phenomenal coach. Well, I love that he, it sounds like he's like playful with you, but also I love that he was like, just make it happen. Like right. you do, you want to do it or you don't like right. you right. Can just do it, go figure it out. He is, he is a, just the perfect coach for me. Cause I think he totally gets me and then he can rein me into, and I'll be like, Hey, I see this race coming up and he'll be like, Kira, 
no, like just like stick to the plan, like rein it in, like we're everything's going well right now, just do this. But um, no, he he is a perfect combination. Although I'm sure I drive him bonkers sometimes, but he, he he's great. Do you get nervous at races? Yeah, yeah, I do, and. I, yeah, sometimes I'm like, what am like, why am I doing this? Why did I sign up for this? Like pretty much every race, I kind of think that. And I do like, I don't, I have a little bit of imposter syndrome too. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I'm lining up and I'm like, what am I doing here? Like I'm looking around <laughs> at all these people on the front line. Like they like, <laughs> I don't belong here. And then I go out and I prove it to myself again that I do. But, um, but yeah, I think it's totally natural to get nervous. And I also think it's a really good thing to get nervous. Cause I think it shows that you care and your body's kind of prepping for a really hard challenge. So, um, so yeah, I, I definitely get nervous and I think that's okay too. I think so too. I, you know, my struggle with nerves is like not even necessarily the morning of it's like when I get grumpy the week of it's like, (laughs) I want to do this race, but the week of I'm starting to get grumpy because my nerves are coming out. Like, I don't want to be like that. How do you, how do you, um, not be like that? (laughs) I am so busy that sometimes like sometimes I just don't even think about it. Uh I find when I'm less busy and don't have as much going on, I have more time to like kind of worry about things. But with my life, like getting up and making sure the kids are good and getting them off to school and then doing all like the work I need to do and, you know, going for a run. So it's like, I just feel like my life is almost so spoken for that sometimes I just don't even have time to, to stress out about it. But, and I'm, I'm also like, you know, I, have been putting myself in enough race situations too that I'm learning just that whole process of like the pre-race week jitters and just dealing with everything that goes along with that and managing that. But I find like the more I can just stick in my routine, the better I'll do because then the less I'm thinking about (laughs) how nervous I probably should be. That's a really good point. Carry on your everyday life. Do your life. Yep. Right. And yeah, and if you're nervous about something, put your in this put yourself in the situation to do it more. Yeah, and you know, it's funny cuz I did the Peachtree 10K this last summer or I guess this July, and I had like I was really nervous going into that race and I called my coach and I'm like I I don't want to use this term light and I wasn't having a panic attack, but I felt all those emotions like I'm going to be like there's women that are trying to break the world record <laughs> 10k like there are just some women that I like that are lining up on this day the same day as me like how do I race against that like they're, they're going to be minutes ahead of me and like and he really helped because he's like why are you worried about what anyone else is mm. doing he's like are you in shape right now like do you know what pace you're gonna run like you focus on yourself and like if you run the pace that we've talked about running if you're in first great if you're in last great if you find you're in a pack of people great, but you know, just focus on yourself. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. So that, that lesson right there in that race really helped me. Um, and then I also like, I found for a while, I do a lot of my running and workouts completely by myself. So I found sometimes I was getting in more competitive races and I was a little bit stressed during the race being in a group of people. Mm -hmm. And like, I couldn't get out of my head because I was thinking, oh, you know, is this pace easy for them? Or how are they doing? Oh, she's breathing hard. I probably can beat her. But I just couldn't turn it off. Like I was just so obsessed with everyone else around me that I wasn't kind of focused on myself. 
And so since then, now I've really tried to make an effort to find people to run with or to work out with or just get used to running in a group of people. And I know that sounds really silly, but just when you do everything alone and you get in a race with people, it's intimidating to be around people, you know? So, so now I have found some, some workout buddies that can drag me around. I get used to running their pace or if they put on a surge or, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty like coach gives me splits and I just hit the splits. But when you're running with someone else, you have to kind of accommodate with how they're feeling or maybe they'll go out a little fast and you accommodate. So that's been really helpful for me to learn, learn that too. I feel like I'm rambling. I'm sorry. (laughs) Not at all. No, this is super interesting. Yeah. Okay. How many weeks are we out from the trials? I think we're 11. Wow. Is that right? I just made up a number. I think because I'm going, I think I'll have three more training cycles in my week. Yeah. So I think we're 11 weeks out. That's what I'm going to say. And when you say three more cycles, that means you get three more like down weeks. Yes. Three more days off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is that three? Just three days? Yeah. Wow. I'll take three days off before the trials. Yeah. Does that mess with you mentally at all when you have a day off? Yes. Like I just it's, you feel like superwoman. Cause I have all this unfound time mm-hmm. and like my husband will come home and like, you know, like shelves that haven't been <laughs> touched in a while are organized all of a sudden. And like, he's like, Whoa, was today your day off? The house looks great. What's but, um, but it also, yeah, it's hard. Cause you just feel like a little gross when you can't get out. Like, I feel like I don't think as clearly, I just feel like a little lazy, like and tired, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's your everyday life. How much sleep do you get a night? Like, what are you sleeping? I try to go to bed by nine o'clock every night. Okay. And then I, I mean, the kids will come in and wake us up, but my husband has been really great letting me like sleep in a little bit later. So sometimes I'll get to sleep in until like six or six 30. Um, but I'm really, I am a really firm believer that you recover a lot when you sleep. So I make that like a really important part of training is making sure that I'm not breaking down my body in that way. Yeah. You're, you're checking that box. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's good. If she can run a hundred miles a week and still get that much sleep and still do the kids and the, and the, and the work, we all just need to watch less TV. I think that's what you're telling <laughs> know, us. Okay. I know. <laughs> I know. Or just do, what I think thought about recently, is there a way you can like watch TV or just like listen to a show while you're running? Cause I've done so many podcasts, but maybe like, I don't know. That's a well, story for another day, but yeah, you yeah just gotta get on the treadmill dip. more. Just, yeah. Or double dip your time. So do things that, you, you know, while you're running that maybe you typically wouldn't do. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited to, to cheer you on. And, um, this has been really fun. Let's do the end of the podcast questions. You might've already, I, I finding recently that this first end of the podcast question people have answered during the interview. So we can, move on if not, but what's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? So I, this is probably going to sound nice, but it is a little bit selfish what I'm about to say. I want to teach my kids how to ride bikes because I want them to be able to bike with me. I have this like big dream of like being out on a run and then biking alongside me while I run. So I think this year for Christmas, I'm going to get my kids bikes and also maybe my husband too, because that would be awesome (laughs) if we could all go for like a family bike ride slash run. So that would be, that's a really big goal is I really want to teach my kids how to ride a bike. But then also I have this like kind of nerd dream of being on Survivor. I love that show. I say that all the time. I don't think one, I don't think I'm the right 
fit for a survivor. And I also don't think I could ever leave my family for that long to live in the woods. But that's like a guilty pleasure of mine is survivor. So that would be I would love to be on survivor. She also has enough time to watch survivor. You guys (laughs) (laughs) I've been bad. This season has been really tough. But in the past, I've been a really big fan. I will say that I remember when my kids were really little and seeing parents with their kids riding bikes and being like, I can't wait. That's going to be so fun. And our, our older two can do that. They've done up to six miles with us. And wow. yeah, we've done like on the weekends, we'll sometimes do six miles where um, I'll, I'll just run by myself because I get to do that as the mom and my husband will yeah. fish the babies in the double stroller and my big two will ride their bikes. And it's like, wow, I mean, that's as- really cool. Yeah. Aside from the occasional issue with someone wanting to get out of the stroller um it's it's been really fun so I'm excited for you to enter that um that territory your family is my new family goals hashtag family goals I want to be like your family that's (laughs) that's my dream it is so fun because you're like getting your workout in you're getting your run in but you're also like you can talk to them like they're riding their bikes next to you and you can literally just like have a conversation and that's really fun. And you're being active together. Like that's my fate. One of my favorite things to do for sure. Um, what is an accomplishment you're most proud of? So the most, the one that comes to mind recently is our kids are all out of diapers now. And that happened. Like my husband and I, like when we realized that my daughter was now like potty trained even at night and we never have to buy another diaper again. Like, we did like a victory dance around the house. He broke out his tap shoes and just like tapped away. <laughs> he doesn't even take tap dancing lessons, but somehow he has tap dance shoes. And actually, it's really <laughs> funny. It's like I'll put up on Instagram. <laughs> I'll just like bring out the tap shoes and tap. It's a really funny video. That's but, so um, funny. But yeah, so getting the kids out of diapers is just rocked my world. And it, that is something that I'm really proud of, but I'm just, you know, in general, just really proud of my family. I have a stud of a husband that's super, super supportive. And my kids are so energetic and so hilarious that I'm just, you know, I'm really, that's my biggest accomplishment, hands down. Um, I'm not in that life yet or will be anytime soon. I'm sorry to bring that up. I know you have a young one. I'm I'm really lazy about pull-ups too, though. Like at bedtime, I both of my older ones are in pull-ups till they're five. And I just, it's, I just get lazy with it. I don't like, and I, I hear though that some kids just once they're potty trained, they're potty trained and they don't go at night, but I have not had that experience well, so far. With with my son, we did pull-ups for a really long time. Yeah. Like, and I, and I think boys are just a little bit uh-huh. later on that. But with my daughter, we were, I forget the reason why I think we were either traveling or something and we didn't have a pull-up. And we're like, well, I guess we're going to try this. (laughs) And like it was the next day her bed was dry. And we're like, woo. So now we've made it like a really big deal that that she has. But that was kind of on accident because we thought the same thing. We're like, they'll be, you know, she'll be in pull-ups the same same amount that Tommy was. But she, um, girls, I think, just figured that out a little quicker. Um, Tommy is like totally on my list of boy names. Like I love that name so much, by the way. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, we, we like it too. Yeah. It's always been on my short list. Like it never, it never made the final cut four times, Um, but it's always been 
one of my, I think when my number three came along, the reason I didn't name him that is because we had a friend of a friend or something that named a kid that. And I was like, well, we can't take their name, you know, that it's my, my father-in-law, his name is, is Thomas or we call him Tom or TD, but so it's, you know, it was named after, uh, named after him, but yeah, he's a little Tommy for sure. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. That's such a good name. Um, well, and just one more pull up comment. Pulps are way more expensive than diapers. So get They're on so with it. Yeah. I know. I know. I just don't look anymore. I'm just like, Oh, we have to have them. Just don't, don't pay attention yeah. to the price. Yeah, tag. Close, close your eyes close and your swipe. Eyes. That's yep. what you have to do. That's right. Um, what's the uh, best, most recent book you've read? Do you read or do you audio books? So I do audio books. So if you ask the most recent book is we're going on a bear hunt. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've read that one about 3000 times and that book has everything. It has rapid rivers. It has, um, you know, dark caves, ferocious bears. It's a really, you know, edge of the seat kind of book. So <laughs> we read that one a lot. Um, but yeah, I'll do a lot of audiobooks, and I try to alternate between like something fun and then something that's going to like improve me either in real estate or just mental with running. Um, so I kind of do like an alternate. So I wish I could be seeing the Game of Thrones book, the what, Song of Ice and Fire. I'm just waiting for that one to come out, but that hasn't come out yet. But the one I'm in the middle of right now is called Can't Hurt Me by oh. David Goggins. Yeah. So um, that's what I'm listening to right now, but I have not finished it. I'm listening to that right now too. Oh, really? Yeah. It's pretty intense, huh? Yeah, I've heard him on, it must have been Rich Roll. Like, I've heard him on a few podcasts. And so I, I, like, he's obviously a very motivating human being and, like, done some crazy stuff. Um, I keep forgetting, though, that I'm listening to it because I listen to a lot of podcasts and then I'll be like, oh, yep. yeah, I have the audiobook. And I okay. like how they've done the audiobook with this other guy reading it. And then he comes in and, like, kind of talks about, why he, you know, said this or that. And, um, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, no, it's really, and it's motivating. It's like, well, I can't be complaining about anything. Like I need to be a little more resilient. Yeah. He, well, he is like a superhuman. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you have a nonprofit you like to support? I love any sort of organization that supports like kids getting out there and being healthy and active. So mm-hmm. I was a coach for girls on the run for, for many years. That was, this was pre kids when I had time. Um, and then our kids actually just did the healthy kids running club series this fall. And it was awesome. It was once a week and they came out and did like just a little race. And it was just so fun to see the kids like get excited to run and be with their friends and being out there doing something healthy and active. So pretty much anything that's going to support, um, you know, kids being active and healthy in their community is something I can get behind. And what is your one message to send to the world? Um, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on this question. <laughs> it, it is a big, it's a big one. I guess my biggest thing is that there are multiple paths to the top of the mountain and everyone, you know, you can take the trail, you can go off the trail and just bushwhack your way up. You can climb up the side of the cliff. Like there are so many ways to get to reach your goal. And so just find a way that works for you and just 
go for it, you know, just start climbing. But, you know, I feel like so many people read what other people are doing or, you know, or just get so locked in that this is the way it should be. And I think everyone kind of just needs to find their own way and you get there, you know, maybe you take the scenic route, but like, you'll get there if you just keep climbing, I guess that would be, be my message. That's a good one. Kira, thank you so much for being my guest. Thanks for having me. This is really, really fun. It was, I really, really enjoyed talking to you, especially after listening to you for so many years. It was really fun. Oh, well, <laughs> I really appreciate that you listen and that you haven't tuned me out yet. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And um, yeah, I'm sure I'll be, be running into you soon. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Kira, for coming on the show. I had so much fun getting to know you and appreciate you spending time with me for the podcast. Don't forget to go follow Kira on social media. She is running underscore realtor VA on Instagram. Go find her on Strava too. I'll put the links to both of those in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine and we have a Facebook page and group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. If you are looking for a new GPS watch, check out Coros. That's my favorite GPS watch. When you check out, when you purchase a watch and check out, you can get an extra band when you use the code another at checkout. And don't forget to check out the New York Roadrunners Coaching Lab that's coming up. NYRRCoachingLab.org. Use the code Lindsay10 for $10 off any program. All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here today. Have a really great Friday. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.